Hello, this is Stephen Keeler. Welcome back to my podcast, The Art and Science of Transformation. Today we're going to continue on with my reading of my best-selling book, Leap, But How Will I Live, Eat, or Pay for Gas? A Journey from Fear to Freedom. You know, people have told me that this is a handbook on uh, how to create manifestations and things like that. And I also think it's a book of... of um, witnessing uh, how to transform a person's life. And uh, I'd appreciate hearing any comments or questions, or if you want any more information from uh, about me or uh, my courses, let me know, will you, at info at com. So here we go with chapter 17, letting go of the need to know. July 7, 2004. Learning some Hungarian. Next time we visit Natalia's parents, which will be this weekend, I intend to ask her dad for permission to marry Natalia. Natalia says I don't need to do this, but I am an old-fashioned romantic and feel I must. Furthermore, I feel it is a gesture of respect. Natalia is his only living daughter. The other sibling, an older sister, died years ago. Meg Kerem Natalia Kazet Hosayarulz. Translation Can I please have permission for your daughter's hand? I've been practicing, and believe me, it doesn't sound like it looks. Now, of course, you can't see how it looks because I'm reading it to you, but believe me, when you look at Meg Kerem Natalia Kazet Hosayarulz, that is a wild looking sentence. <laughs> but I've been practicing. I am worried that to understand her dad's answer, I will need someone to translate, and the only person I've met so far who speaks English and Hungarian is Natalia. That could prove awkward, since I have it, I have it in my mind to first ask her dad, then later ask Natalia in some formal, romantic way. But I'm so happy to know that I finally met the woman I know I will marry. I'd been asking for this for a long time, but hadn't found real love because I hadn't needed to love myself enough first to really believe that I was worth it. Only then was I able to attract someone who believed the same about herself. Years ago, when I tried placing those personal ads in the single column, singles column in the local rag, I described my ideal mate as someone who believes she deserves to be with someone special. But I never received any response. I always found that curious. Most of the women I'd met never felt whole to me, a reflection of my own unwholeness. You see, by law of attraction, the people I found myself with were simply mirrors of myself, good and bad. Instead of focusing on my own unwholeness, though, I usually focused on helping them feel their unwholeness. This was a formula for failure and produced lots of discord in my relationships. And I can't blame them for their resentment. Who was I to try to help them when I was lacking the same qualities I wanted to help them develop? I think this incongruency gave them hurtful, mixed messages about themselves and was unfair because none of them asked me for help in the first place. Only when I began to really live and embrace my own beliefs about my value could I allow the woman I've always dreamt about to come to me. This woman is Natalia. I remember how the Kapuna had told me to take my own medicine. Well, I am. 
and I notice that as I do, I feel more and more fulfilled and confident that things will somehow work out in wonderful and often unexpected ways. For example, one of the things I love about Natalia is that she doesn't worry about money. She could quit her job today and be fine with that. I, on the other hand, have been known to worry about finances and where the next dollar will come from. As I consider being married to someone from a foreign country, I know there are many unanswered logistical questions. Where do we get married? What, was, what about immigration? How do I allow enough money for two of us? Will she be able to work? I also wonder if my project manager will continue to manage our projects if I am gone for six months at a time. There are many unanswered questions. This is good, though, because it provides numerous opportunities for us to let go and allow spirit to create, and Natalia totally supports me and believes this, too. Natalia is such a gift to me. I think she would move anywhere with me if I ask her. She's not worried about anything except being in love with me, and she believes this is the most special way to celebrate the love she has for herself. We each believe that the other is a reflection of the love we have for ourselves, like looking in a mirror. Actually, if I look deep, deep enough in her, into her eyes, sometimes I can see me smiling back at myself. July 8, 2004. The bells are ringing. As we sit and watch the sun go down from Natalia's flat in Budapest, we hear church bells ringing. I am reminded that my project manager, Rosalani, is always saying, the bells are ringing. When I think about what purpose the bells have, I don't really think it has... It was to help us tell time. I think they are tr telling us to remember, to realize on an hourly basis that spirit is among us, is part of us. Our only task is to believe, that's all. To me, the bells of spirit never stop ringing, never give up on you. They represent the best part of you that is waiting for you to catch on, even if you pretend not to understand or listen. If you don't hear the bells, it is because you have stopped listening. If you are hurting, it means you are not hearing the bells that are always and forever there urging you forward. If you aren't eating at the banquet of kings, as Rosalani says, don't blame God. July 9, 2004. Attila the Hun. Natalia wants me to meet her friend Attila, a longtime friend of the family. Attila has offered to take me to a spa, which is what they call a Roman or Turkish bath. And although I've agreed to go, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. I keep hoping you'll call and cancel, because after I got to thinking about it, I realized I'd be meeting a strange man at a bathing spa. Usually, men meet other men through sports or work or something similar. I have no idea what the spa will be like, and I envision having to sit for three hours and talk with this guy that I've never met. What if I don't like Attila, or he barely speaks English, or many other things, so many questions. And there's a certain amount of pressure on me because Natalia's family loves this guy. He was the fiancé of her sister that died, and what if he doesn't like me? Another worry is that I'll have to take the bus to meet him. This doesn't sound like a big deal, but imagine for a minute that you are new to the bus riding thing. I confess to having only ridden a bus a few times in my life. And you can't read or speak the language, and you are going to have to do this all by yourself. I have to go alone because Natalia is working today. 
She's part of a corporate consulting firm here in Budapest. I know that all of these nervous, uncomfortable, uncomfortable feelings are telling me that I'm, I'm questioning my own competence, that I can handle this new experience and handle it well. But Attila doesn't call to cancel. He calls Natalia to confirm that I will be meeting him. So I go. <clears throat> I get my ticket, find the bus stop, and no problem. But I'm a little late, and I think I've missed the bus. I think, I better start walking, but a stronger part of me says, wait. I turn I, and see bus 86, my bus, pulling up. Ah, synchronicity. I get on, and from Natalia's coaching, I know I have to go three stops and then get off. At the third stop, I wait for the door to open, but it doesn't. I try to get past the lady with the stroller, but too late. I can't make it to the other door that's open. Then it closes, and the bus goes on. Fuck. Now what? Well, I think I have to figure out how to signal the driver to open the fucking door. I watch the other passengers for a clue, but can't see anyone doing anything. So I get next to a guy who looks like he's getting off soon, hoping it will be the next stop so I won't be too far away from the spa. My plan works, and I run back to the place where I'm supposed to be. As I hurry down the sidewalk towards the designated meet spot, a man with a very friendly voice says, Stephen, is that you? Yes, it is, I reply. I feel a warm gentleness to Attila. I like him immediately. He's very polite, and he speaks excellent English. He showed me to the spa, which is located along the Danube River, an area rich in thermal water. The Romans had made good use of these hot springs. I had no idea what to expect, but I really didn't care because it already felt like everything would be okay. Inside, the spa was extremely clean, with many pools of differing temperature water all coming from the ground below. Attila suggests, let's go in the steam room. I think you will like that. It's odd that of all the choices of amenities in this spa, he would suggest this one because I've always loved steam rooms, but of course there's no way he would know that. As we roast in the steam and the heat becomes unbearable, I say, pointing to the gently moving water below our perch, is that cold water? Yes, it is, he replied. I walk over and plunge into it, immediately cooling off and causing my whole body to tingle. Ah, I sighed in ecstasy. As we enjoy the amenities of this place, named after St. Luke, Attila listens intently while I tell him of my grand experiment and my goal to show that what we believe is what we create. Attila smiles and says, I too am on a quest to free myself from the shackles of my limiting learned beliefs, and I respect you enormously for having the wherewithal to do it. I found it very easy to, to talk with Attila, and it was nice to finally have met a kindred spirit. I knew that Attila and I would be friends forever. Evening of July 9th, 2004, The Eyes of a Child this evening, Natalia introduced me to her best friend, Ilka, and Ilka's two-year-old son, Kristoff. Kristoff is Natalia's godson. It was fun to see how Natalia and this boy interacted and see how their faces lit up with joy when they were together. I, t I could tell from my years of working with kids that this boy, quote, knew lots of things, as most young children do. 
Children seem to have a firmer grasp on spirit. Many people believe that since we emanate directly from spirit by way of our mom's womb, kids are much closer and more aware of their spiritual roots than we adults are. Christoph definitely had that knowingness in his eyes, and it would come into play in a more important way soon. July 10th, 2004, Asking Her Dad. Today is D-Day. By that I mean that today I intend to ask Natalia's father, Sandor, for permission to marry Natalia. I haven't slept well, and I'm worried about how the right opportunity will present itself to ask him, and I'm concerned that since I can't speak Hungarian, I won't be able to understand his response. Natalia, Attila, Attila's girlfriend, and I go by car from Budapest to her parents' house for a family brunch. Her parents live in Cholnok, a small village in the countryside, 45 minutes outside of Budapest. As Attila arrives, I again think about the many things that are worrying me. What if her father doesn't understand my Hungarian? How do I get him away from the rest of the family to a quiet spot? Would I have to use Natalia to translate her father's answer, which would be awkward? There's also added pressure because I'll soon return to America and will not see her parents for some time, and I want to ask Natalia to marry me after I hopefully get her father's permission. So it's now or never. Instead of focusing on my nervousness, I try to concentrate on the present moment. I'm on my way to a great brunch with Natalia and the others, carrying a big bouquet of flowers for Clara, Natalia's mom, and I will somehow ask Sandor, her father, for permission to marry his daughter. I like her parents, and I like where they live. The small village of Cholnok is situated right next to the forest and has a very sleepy, peaceful feel to it. Her parents' house is a well-built two-story that has tremendous view of the surrounding valley below, and it soothes me to have Attila here because he likes to talk about soccer and other things that interest both of us. And I know he likes me, because after our visit to St. Luke's Bath the day before, he'd called Natalia and told her, don't lose this man, Stephen Keeler. We arrive, and immediately we're eating Clara's wonderful Hungarian brunch. I am very nervous, and I'm watching for the perfect time to catch Natalia's father alone so I can pop the question. Keep in mind... Marrying Natalia is not a foregone conclusion. I hadn't even asked her yet because I put very much credence in what her father might say when I asked him. I was relieved slightly when he offered me some of his homemade wine, which is an amazingly good rosé. I drink it down with shaking hands, hoping no one notices. I had hoped to catch him in the wine cellar outside and ask him there, but when I noticed he was gone, I went outside but couldn't find him. He comes around again, offering more more wine, and this time I refuse, which I have never done in the past. I do this because the last thing I want him to think is that I'm drunk when I ask him. Brunch drags on. There just doesn't seem to be a good time or opportunity. Inside me, there's a deeper, calmer, calmer part that informs me. It will all work out. It always works out for the best. Relax. Let the game come to you. But I only hear these inner words as if they are in the distance somewhere. Natalia keeps looking at me, knowing I'm sweating bullets big time. When brunch finally ends, we all go outside into her parents' beautiful backyard. Sandor is quite a gardener and has many flowers and roses growing. 
The day is magnificently clear and warm, and we're all basking in the sunshine with our stomachs full. My worried mind rears its ugly head again and thinks, fuck, man, this is not going to happen today. I am almost resigned to doing it some other month when I come here, but I really feel today is it. But when? Just then, someone calls out from inside the house. Natalia, your cell phone is ringing. Natalia leaves to answer the call. Attila had just finished one of his long-winded but entertaining stories. Now there was a silence, a break in the action. Natalia was inside, her dad was outside, and even her mom was still inside bustling in the kitchen. Attila's girlfriend was sitting with us, but maybe I could lure Sandor away. Yes, the moment I'd been waiting for. All systems go. After hours of waiting and wondering, every part of me feels alive and alert. I can feel spirit strengthen inside of me. This is it. And then Attila launches into another entertaining story. Shit. I can't let this stop me. I have to follow my instincts, which are screaming, Now, now. I didn't want to be rude, but I just went for it anyway. I put my hands up to ask Attila to stop talking, and the deepest, most knowing part of me, Spirit, says, Can I have a favor? And because he is loving and polite, he, of course, Attila, of course, says yes. I say, Will you tell Natalia's dad that I'd like to talk to him over there? I point to the perfect place, around the other side of the house, where her dad and I can chat alone. I guess you can call it a chat if neither one of you knows what the fuck the other is saying. But I know by heart how to ask for permission in Hungarian. Meg kerem, Natalia kazet hozayarus. I practice it so much I could even say it backwards. In his gentle manner, Attila speaks to Sandor. As her fa- father walks with me to the other side of the house, Attila follows. For one millisecond, I think, No, Attila, go away. What are you doing? Can't you see I'm nervous as shit and up to something huge? But then I realize, no, this is perfect. At one time, Attila was to marry Natalia's sister and remains a special part of this family. I believe he would think it an honor to be present during this sacred ritual. I like how he is gentle and respectful to everyone, and he speaks both English and Hungarian. So there we are, three men on a beautiful summer's day, standing in the Hungarian countryside. And now it is time for me to ask in Hungarian for Natalia's hand. Again, spirit speaks through me. My Hungarian is flawless. Sandor looks surprised and pleased, and I don't think even Attila is prepared for my Hungarian. Now... I'm glad Attila is here, because her father asks in Hungarian, Have you thought enough about it? Attila translate, and I reply, Egan, which means yes. Her father pauses, as one would do when making a very important life-changing decision. I know he loves his daughter very much. I hold my breath, but spirit knows the answer before I hear it. And her father says, of course, yes. I don't need that part translated. I hug him and he kisses me on the right cheek. I'll never forget the feeling of that kiss. It had the quality of love that only men can give to one another. 
It conveyed in a sacred, honoring way. I know what it took for you to say this, especially in Hungarian, and I appreciate you as only one man can do to another and welcome you to the family. We are proud to have you. Wow, I'd done it. It was perfect. Once again, spirit has created for a human to enjoy. The timing was flawless. Natalia didn't have to be involved at all. I understood what her father and thanks to Attila, my hunger. I understood what her father said, thanks to Attila. My Hungarian was excellent, and Sandor not only said yes, but he also accepted me into the family. When we come back to where the others are sitting, Sandor says something to Clara, and her mom lights up in a big smile, then with her hands on her hips indicates, well, what about me? You asked the father, now how about the mother? I don't understand the words, but I certainly understand the energy and the nonverbal cues. In a fun and loving way, I get down on one knee in front of Clara and using my well-practiced Hungarian, ask for her permission also. Before I can finish, she is hugging me and shouting, Egan, Egan. Of course, that means yes in Hungarian. Natalia reappears, apparently having finished the phone call that had magically called her away for the perfect time for all of this to happen. Everyone in her family begins asking at once in Hungarian, telling her all about what has happened in her absence. She is smiling one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen. Later, she tells me that the phone call had been from Christoph, the young boy of her friend. What? I say. He's only two. How could he call you? She says, well, he apparently got the phone and pressed the right button to redial my number, which was already in the phone log. We smile at each other. Just another miracle? A two-year-old picks up his mom's cell phone, somehow presses the right buttons to call his godmother. Then someone happens to hear the phone ringing in her purse, which takes Natalia away from the group, which makes the space for me to ask her father for her hand. And, well, you know the rest of the story. The bells are ringing. I've got to remember to listen for them. I've got to remember to honor Spirit's presence in my life. I've got to stop having to know how everything will work out. I've got to work more on my trust of Spirit and let it be the source of my creations rather than my worries. The bells are ringing, beautiful, unlimited Spirit, and so it is. So thank you for listening today to my podcast and my book and I appreciate like I said before any comments or questions you can reach me at www.stephenkeeler.com and if you want a copy of the book you can let me know or you can buy it on Amazon anywhere on the planet. Until next time keep yourself well.